Welcome back to the News Hour. I'm Scott Beatty filling in for Brian Moline. It is Friday, June 6th, the 70th anniversary of D-Day, the historic Allied invasion of occupied France on the beaches of Normandy. Joining us in studio is Ralph Langenheim, an Urbana resident, retired U of I professor, and member of the Champaign County Board. But he's not here to discuss politics, but recall the D-Day battle. He was there as an officer in the U.S. Navy. Ralph, thank you for your time. Tell us, what did you do on June 6, 1944? Well, I was the engineering officer on the LCI L551. LCI's landing craft infantry were 120-odd feet long, 23 feet wide, and 20 feet off the water. They were among the smallest ships to proceed alone across the ocean. As I say, we carried 200 troops. They rousted us out the day early. As you well know, we, they, they loaded everybody up, and then the water, weather was bad, and we laid, lay at anchor for a while with those troops aboard. But the next day we took off, and then we sailed across to, we left, left early in the morning and got off the beach at, at about midday and landed our troops at 5.30 in the afternoon. So you were not part of the first wave? By no means, and we were on the Utah beach, which was the less perilous one. Anyway, we were called in, and we went on, hit the beach, uh, which at the time was under shell fire. It was indirect shell fire. Salvos of four were landing at random among our ships. Uh, but the, the Germans had been pushed back from the beach, so it wasn't the local stuff. It was probably a coast defense gun north of, of the landing area, which actually I visited after the war and saw saw the emplacements and so forth. Uh, one crew member, actually an engineering officer who was doing the same job I was doing, was the only person we had that got touched. He got, got, got a piece of shrapnel. So that was it, it was pretty quiet. Uh, we were landing on a rising tide. The water was rising at a foot every 10 minutes, which is pretty substantial. Hmm. And inasmuch as while we were on the beach, we were discharging soldiers. And we were a such light draft and such a small burden that uh, when we had been at anchor uh, awaiting the, the landings with, with the troops aboard, they had a crap game on the, on the, on the, on the deck. <laughs> and when that, when that gang moved from one side of the ship to the other, the ship listed. <laughs> and we had a little bit of a crisis when the captain wanted the, the, the tanks adjusted to keep us on an even keel. And... Of course, an even keel was sort of elusive under those conditions. But at any rate, we would float free. And as soon as we floated free, we had to drive the ship forward, start the engines up, push it in, and reground it so the troops could get off. And in the process, our anchor cable, which was going to pull us off of the beach, gradually unwound. And we ran out of cable three times. So we had to haul off, circle around, beach again, and three times to get, get rid of our loaded troops. Uh, we didn't manage to get rid of all of them. The last of them were taken off by small boats. I couldn't see too much because, of course, I was on the, on the back end of the ship, and the, the superstructure blocked my view of the beach. But I'd go over and peek around the edge every now and then to see what was going on. And I saw several people apparently drown. Uh, the guys would had these heavy loads, and they started walking ashore. They'd hit a hit a, a hole in the, in the place where a shell had hit, and the water was deep on them, and they'd go down, and with a heavy load strapped to their back, they'd go feet up. So that was a little bit grueling. Uh, 
we got rid of our troops and were sent out to anchor offshore. And we stayed anchored offshore for th three days. That first night, we were all in, in bed a short, somewhat after midnight, and there was a, a, a loud clang like somebody hit the bottom of the ship with a sledgehammer. Nobody did anything. Everybody was sound asleep. <laughs> I got up and went up to the conning tower to talk to the watch what had happened. Well, he said, well, a, pl a plane came over, flew across here, and dropped a bomb between us and <laughs> that destroyer over there. And I said, well, if that happens again, sound general quarters. <laughs> <laughs> We're visiting with Ralph Langenheim. He's a veteran of World War II, and specifically D-Day participated as an officer in the U.S. Navy and as a resident of Urbana, Illinois, also serves on the Champaign County Board. Ralph, when did you know you would be participating in D-Day? What did you understand that would be happening that day? Well, our ship had been commissioned for less than a year. We knew we were going to Europe, and the thing that next thing up on the, on the docket was the landings on the continent. But at our level, people did not know where they were going to be or when they were going to be. So that's sort of an indefinite question. But we uh, we went out there. We were put in a place called Foy, which is a resort town on the Cornish coast. And we did one practice landing at a place called Slapton Sands, which is quite famous because German E-boats got into the formation during the practice landing and sank a couple of LSTs. And it, it was actually, there were more casualties in that land practice landing in the Navy at any rate than in, than in the Normandy landings. So there was a little bit of excitement around, to be sure. How much does that day stay in your memory today? Do you think about well, it often? D-Day? Yeah. I don't think about it too much at all. There, think That's history. History is background. I'm interested in what's going on today. But D-Day was probably one of the most significant military operations in the history of the world, at least in its scope and its impact. Does that sit with you? Do you ever take that in as, as something you were a part of? Well, no, it was... I had a lot of things that gave me gave me more to remember and think about than, than D-Day. Doing a doctorate research above t Timberline in Colorado and becoming a member of the uh, Rocky Mountain Biological Laboratory. I've been in that all my life. That certainly, that, that experience certainly loomed larger in terms of career and a lot of other things than being in D-Day. D-Day was just part of part of the Navy. Now, now the Navy is important to me. I'm, I stayed in the Navy until until they threw me out. <laughs> in other words, I'm I'm on the retired list. I'm drawing a naval pension. I didn't stay in for the pension, but I stayed in because I was interested in the Navy. I'm a member of the Naval Institute. It comes once a month, and I read it from cover to cover. Well, Ralph, we thank you so much for your time. We thank you for your service, and we know you've uh, had a lot of accomplishments that you look back on uh, besides your, your military career, but we appreciate your time with us today. One little thing. You thank me for my service. You should be cautious about thanking veterans for their service. Many of them don't think they're entitled to thanks or embarrassed by it. Why are veterans embarrassed to be thanked for their service? It's just in the human animal. They don't think they did anything extraordinary. Everybody had to do it. They did their duty, and so what? Some do and some don't. <laughs> well, thank you nonetheless. You're welcome.